Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, on today's show, we now like to, to shift and take a look at President Biden's recent mandates in an in an outrageous attempt to try to basically reverse the United States Supreme Court's decision and to overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, we also would like to look and examine the Department of Health and Human Services, which is also under the Biden administration and engaged in some very challenging and questionable activities as well. Tell me to do this. I'd like to welcome now Attorney Emily Mimnaw out of our Nevada office. Uh, welcome, Emily. Hey, good morning, Brad. Hi there. Uh, so let's start off with President Biden. Now, there's a lot of people that are screaming and yelling because Roe versus Wade has been overturned. It's now been put, uh, brought back to the states where we, the people, uh, get to make these decisions and choose to protect the, uh, the preborn from being killed. And apparently, President Biden and his people sort of controlling him have decided to take some desperate actions in the form of an executive mandate. What's what's going on? Right. So this Friday, uh, July 8th, President Biden issued a new executive order, and it was basically an attempt to push back against the Supreme Court, against the Dobbs ruling, which, you know, as you pointed out, found that there is no constitutional U.S. federal constitutional right to an abortion. It overturned Roe v. Wade. And so what President Biden did was try to marshal what, what power he has through executive orders to, to effectively force federal agencies under his control to force them to find ways to push back against this ruling and to promote abortion nationwide. So how's he, how are they planning on doing that through the agencies? Can you give you some examples of, of how this may of, you know, actually be manifest? Or is it just simply too vague at this point for us to, to know how these different agencies might actually try to uh, circumvent the United States Supreme Court's recent decision. Right. So he's looking at that. Well, his attorneys and his counselors, I suppose, are looking at federal legislation and trying to find ways that touch upon health care. Again, I, I'm not saying that I think abortion is health care in most circumstances, but they are looking at any type of federal legislation that touches upon health care as an avenue through which the federal government can nonetheless seek to dictate to the states what is appropriate with respect to abortion. So one example is HIPAA, a 1996 act, which I think people will probably remember we talked about a fair amount with respect to COVID. And of course, in those circumstances, the federal government was very busy telling you that you didn't have any rights under HIPAA with respect to you know vaccine mandates. Well, mm -hmm. Fast forward a couple years later, they are now trying to use HIPAA to restrict hospitals and doctors from complying with state laws limiting abortions, right? So, so one example is that they are trying to use HIPAA to say that, well, maybe doctors and nurses can't report what appear to be you know, illegal abortions in their state if it violates state law. Maybe HIPAA should be used to shield that and to stop to stop the you know, investigation and enforcement of state abortion provisions and you know, the protection of life of the unborn. Yeah, I, the problem I see with that, uh, just on the face of it, is there's a difference between patient privacy and doctors violating the law. I mean, yeah, I, I just, uh, it seems like 
you know, they'd be able to use HIPAA in this, uh, as an analogy to do uh, all kinds of things that would violate uh, medical ethics by just saying, oh, it's, it's protected by privacy, you can't investigate, you can't get the information. So I, I think that this would definitely be challengeable. What say you? I absolutely think that that is the case. I, I, in some ways, I think part of this executive order was really an attempt to appear as though he was pushing to support abortion. Not that I, I think he does support abortion, right? Um, so I think a lot of it is trying very hard to make a lot of noise to appear as though he is pushing back because he's very conscious of the fact that he is doing terribly in the polls. I, I think historically he is the most unpopular president ever. And, you know, very aware of the fact that the midterms are coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the midterms are definitely coming up. <laughs> and uh, uh, I know uh, he and uh, people who are a part of his uh, political uh, wing, if you will, uh, are very concerned and for, for good reasons. But uh, when we're looking at this, this, this um, action by the president. I mean, the president has the ability to issue executive orders. That's a given. Uh, he has the ability to uh, direct agencies. Okay, I get that. But the president's orders cannot violate case law, or cannot violate particularly Supreme Court case law that was recently issued that very clearly says this is a matter up to the states. I mean, I, I think that, <clears throat> that a, a challenge, I don't think he's going to try to get around the law, and that's his whole purpose. He's going to try to get around the Supreme Court. But just the, the, the principle of him trying to to do something that is in, even just in spirit, if not in the letter, uh, contrary to what the Supreme Court says is a protected right of the states, I, I think is very unethical. I think it's a breach of public trust. I also think at the end of the day, it's going to be deemed uh, illegal. Emily, what about talk uh, that has come out about the Biden administration possibly trying to uh, push for either via executive order or for legislation? to have uh, abortion clinics on federal land in states like Texas that are reasonably pro-life is, you know, maybe even on military bases, federal military bases. Uh, it seems that that uh, that is very questionable as to whether or not they could get away with that when it's in direct violation of state mandates. I think it is obviously questionable. I'd also heard, I think it was Elizabeth Warren who you were talking about earlier, uh, one of my favorite uh, legislators as well, um, coming up with the idea that perhaps they should have these clinics, so-called clinics, on uh, federal national parkland. So even though Yosemite is literally currently on fire, they should, you know, begin building and constructing an abortion clinic. Um, of course, California would never do anything to restrict access to abortion, but nonetheless, um, I, I do not think that those those are viable options. What what you do see in another part of this executive order from Biden from Friday is a direction to HHS, Health and Human Services Secretary, to work on ways to collaborate and cooperate with the U.S. Attorney General and, believe it or not, the chairman of the FTC to find ways to investigate pro-life centers. And I really, really appreciated what you and John were talking about with the ways in which we are seeing the left come after and directly attack pro-life centers because, you know, they, they're not pushing abortions on women as their only option should they be, you know, should they be pregnant. Wow. So this, this uh, administration is really going all out to try to find ways um, to, I mean, even attack pro-life centers. 
uh, using the uh, Federal Trade Commission, uh, HHS, Secretary of Health and Human Services, the order to, to that agency. Uh, I understand there's a, a third order to federal agencies uh, ordering the chair of the FTC to work with the HHS, HHS secretary and the attorney general. Right. They want to, quote, educate the public. And this, this is part of what, what I think is an attack on pro-life centers. What, what they're claiming is, you, you know, oh, we're working to combat disinformation, quote, fraudulent practices, including online, and, and, you know, make sure you have, quote, accurate information. And we've already seen this exact move. And I, you and I talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago in New York, where they signed a law purposely tasking their health, their services, New York State services, health services, to investigate pro-life centers because they were, quote, providing limited services, i.e. they weren't providing abortion. So I, I think that this is very clearly a way to try to get at pro-life centers because they're not, again, peddling abortion, pushing that as the only option for women who find themselves vulnerable and many wanting to have a child and just looking for resources to do that. As opposed to being sold into to killing their preborn baby. Uh, I, I understand that there's a number of states that have already moved to, to target pro-life centers. Uh, right. Well, like like New York, for example, they're they're starting this investigation now. Where in the next, um, I believe, year or two, they're going to be compiling reports. And, and I think that we've seen this before. For example, in California, where PGI actually got involved, of course, with the NIFLA case, where they tried to force pro-life centers to post signage, you know, promoting effectively promoting abortion, which, which was contrary to the values and, in some cases, the religious beliefs of those pro-life centers. So I'm sorry to say this is not new, but I am happy to say that PGI has experience dealing with these direct attacks on pro-life and Christian values, and, of course, we have been successful. Yeah, I know in New York we've got uh, an office uh, in the Manhattan area. Um, we also have an office in the uh, upper state part of the state as well. Uh, so uh, New York is keeping us very busy, but we've got uh, great attorneys. We have three attorneys in New York uh, working very diligently uh, to assist pro-life centers as well as uh, to be willing to challenge the, the radical leftist policies uh, of their governor and their state. Uh, it's, uh, New York is definitely one of the, the, the biggest challenges uh, in, the, in the country as far as state governments and state policies right up there with California. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't say, it's hard to sometimes say which, which state is the, the greatest challenge to, to uh, freedom and liberty, uh, but they're both definitely up there and we're, they're both keeping us very busy, particularly on these issues dealing with protecting uh, pre-born and, and really going after uh, uh, women and making sure women are protected from their kind of uh, radical policies, limiting their freedom and options. A PGI has, has, has successfully defended pro-life centers. Um, you know, what, what are, what's an example of, of some of our work in this regard? Well, obviously we had the NIFLA case, the NIFLA v. Becerra, which came out of California and went all the way to the Supreme Court. PGI was successful. It was an obviously compelled speech, forcing uh, pro-life centers to speak a message they did not believe, i.e. promoting abortion services. And of course, right now we are seeing, we just got a new case in <laughs> just this uh, last week from Florida, but we're seeing lots of pro-life activity, of course, in light of the Dobbs case. And we are unfortunately seeing various um, state actors pushing back to try to silence the, mes the message of pro-life sidewalk counselors. And of course, in Oregon, Right now, we have the Church of Planned Parenthood, which is not, to be clear, supporting Planned Parenthood, but quite the opposite, right? Like, I believe they call it praying at the gates of hell, 
which is to say that they hold services to pray for for you know pray for the Planned Parenthood and you know for their conversion and for the salvation of you know children who I, I'm I, you know they are there to be killed. That that's the only yeah. There's no way to put it. Yeah. In fact, uh, this church, this outdoor church worship services are having on public property. It's not on Planned Parenthood's property. Uh, but apparently they've been so effective that even though the, the worship services happen during non-working time of, the, of Planned Parenthood, it's on a Sunday morning, Planned Parenthood apparently isn't open during that time, but Planned Parenthood is filing a lawsuit. One of their rational basis is they're saying that these worship services are costing them business. Their business has gone down, even though it's during their non-working hours. They're saying that, wait a minute, there's some, something's happening here. Uh, we're, we're, we're having fewer babies to kill. So and that's not the way they term it, but uh, practically speaking, that's what they're saying. So it's uh, it's 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 because these this church services and and preaching and worship is having a, a, an impact. That's why Planned Parenthood is is attacking their First Amendment rights to have these public gatherings on public property, uh, and that's a very important case that we've taken on. You mentioned uh, earlier also what's going on in in Florida. Uh, our defense of uh, Christian sidewalk counselors. And, and then, of course, there was the case that we brought all the way to the Supreme Court, a very important case, uh, where the state of California tried to order, order pro-life centers to have to have a large sign in the waiting room telling women where they get a free or low-cost abortion. Now, the Supreme Court struck this down as unconstitutional violation of free speech, uh, forcing a nonprofit ministry <laughs> to have to advertise something that goes totally against who they are and what they believe uh, was, was outrageous. But that's the kind of stuff we see states like California and New York pass. That's why we have to be so aggressive to, to contest it. I'm very confident that with the Supreme Court we have now, that we have even greater protection with regard to free speech and the free exercise of religion, and we can move forward uh, all the more boldly uh, with these kinds of cases, uh, including cases challenging uh, the actions of states that are trying to uh, to thrust their ideology on uh, pro-life centers and the, and the like. Uh, I understand that H Department of HHS uh, is a trying to override state law. How how so? That, that, that is the question. How, how exactly are you doing this? Um, so in, in somewhat, I think, in response to uh, President Biden's executive order on Friday, July 8, this Monday, July 11, we saw new guidance from HHS on um, something called EMTALA, or the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. And to be clear, before we get into this, EMTALA does not, does not mandate abortion. However... HHS has issued guidance saying that where there is a supposed conflict between state law, let's say you had a woman who was 20-something weeks pregnant and she came in and she you know, was in some type of critical condition, HHS is saying that you can perform an abortion even if, even if that violates your state law, you can provi provide an abortion and you will be covered by EMTALA. And the basis for that is they're saying that EMTALA requires that a hospital provide a stabilizing treatment for a person regardless of their ability to pay. Okay, so this was a law that was meant to, you know, require hospitals to provide, you know, stabilization for someone in critical condition even if they can't pay. And what HHS is trying to do is present that as though that means you can provide an abortion if it's necessary to stabilize 
stabilize a woman's condition. Okay, so this is for emergency situations. The, the real concern here is that doctors and hospitals that are pro-abortion, they're going to say, oh, another, quote, emergency, we, we can do an abortion. We'll call this an emergency situation. Um, isn't there a conflict, though, between this federal, federal law and state law is, uh, or not? You can make the argument, um, not you, but the argument can be made. I don't really think that there is because, you know, states like Texas, et cetera, they, they have exceptions for emergency situations to save the life of the woman, okay? So what, what, what HHS is trying to do is conflate that with stabilizing the condition of a person, right? So if you could say that there was a woman who needed to be stabilized but wasn't in an emergency situation, I, you know, may, maybe you can find that fringe case, but I don't really think it's there. I think they're trying to create, you know, this supposed conflict so they can provide this guidance. And again, appear as though they're doing lots of things nationwide to promote abortion and trying to find these avenues. And, and the kicker, I think, on this, and this is what I really like, is you and I were just talking about this last week, and I love it, Brad, when you predict the future. We were talking about the major questions doctrine, and we were talking about the West Virginia EPA case, and why do we care about these you know, green energy power rules, yada, yada. You know, this is another example where administrative agencies, HHS, are trying, in my opinion, to subtly influence law by saying that this is our new interpretation of this old law. And the Supreme Court has already been very clear about how they feel about those, those power grabs by administrative agencies. So to the extent that the HHS interpretation of this law, new interpretation, is going to somehow expand access to illegal abortions in states like Texas, I do not think that will apply. I, I think, you know, if I was a, a legislator in a state like Texas, in a red state that's passed pro-life legislation, uh, I would be tempted to adopt legislation uh, imposing a, a civil liability, a, not necessarily criminal, but at least, a, at least a civil liability on doctors where it can be shown that there was not an emergency situation. And so they can be sued so that the doctor will think twice before doing a quote-unquote emergency abortion when it really wasn't an emergency. I would have a very uh, high threshold of uh, and potential damages against doctors like that. And I think that's one thing that states could do. But what if, what if states, how have states so far responded to this? I don't think states have taken it all too seriously, if I'm honest. The uh, attorney general for Mississippi, I believe, basically said it's a non-issue. Non you know, they have exceptions for the emergency situation to save the life of a woman. I believe the attorney general of Idaho, which also has strong protections, state protections for the unborn, um, didn't even bother to respond. I believe other statements have just declined to comment. I think mostly at this point, it is a lot of noise trying to act as though there are, you know, other avenues through which the federal government government can control states' abilities to protect the unborn, and I do not think thus far they will be successful. So, this this uh, HHS guidance doesn't really have much teeth, then, does it? Not in my opinion. No. Again, as you pointed out, Brad, there's the concern that you could have a pro-abortion doctor operating in a pro-life state like Idaho, like Mississippi, like Texas. Okay, so you know they could be, you know, suddenly there could be all these abortions required to stabilize, air quotes, the life of a woman. But I, I don't really think that is a, a realistic concern. And if it is, you know, we, despite efforts by um, 
uh, HHS uh, to use HIPAA to try to shield people from violating the law, those, those states do have measures in place to bring people who violate their laws to justice. I do not think they will be able to circumvent state law on this matter. Yeah. And I would encourage states to beef up the civil uh, remedies and civil damages against doctors who have uh, who do have uh, these abortions under a false guise of a quote emergency. Uh, to me, I think that would be a very powerful remedy moving forward. They can even look at, at potential criminal prosecution as well, for that matter. Uh, but uh, states have the ability to adopt this uh, this legislation, these measures, and uh, it uh, I think would make it very difficult for these uh, for abuse of, of these kinds of mandates from HHS and even this, under, under the existing state laws. But that's something legislators are going to have to do. And I encourage people to uh, not to hesitate, but to give the idea to their, their legislative uh, representative. Say, you know, this is something I heard about. Um, you know, what, what remedies are there to sue doctors who have abortions under the false guise of an emergency that really is not an emergency uh, you know, what could a mother do, for example, who is told it's an emergency and, it's, and it really isn't, uh, or is in the emotional fray of the situation, uh, you know, pushed into having an abortion, calling it a quote-unquote emergency, and then afterwards she realizes this was the wrong thing. Why did I let them convince me of this? And uh, when she would have otherwise been protected by just uh, compliance with existing state law. So I think that's... Uh, Something for us to watch, but I'm glad though to see that it's uh, the bark is definitely worse than the bite when it comes to that part of the president's mandate, President Biden's mandate. What can people in pro-abortion states do? What 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 can they be uh, trying to achieve now? Uh, who for those who who want to help save preborn babies? Well, of course, as you pointed out, Brad, you can always get a hold of friendly legislators, um, and I, it's something that. And in fact, you, you sent out an email today called our um, to our supporters. And if, I should say, if you didn't get that email, you should go to pji.org so you can sign up. Because I really love this email you sent out today, Brad, describing PJI's strategy as an inside-out approach. Um, and I really like the way you described it, right? When you're talking about inside, we're talking about, you know, using um, PJI's Center for Public Policy to, you know, to get ahead of these problems and to use the legislative tools that we have locally on, and, and on state bases to protect the lives of the unborn. Or if you're in a pro-abortion state like Nevada, like California, like New York, you can still push for legislation to protect sidewalk counselors, to protect the free speech, the freedom of religion rights of those, you know, those in Oregon who want to pray, who want to meet outside of Planned Parenthood and do what they can with their Christian voices to still protect the lives of the unborn and to protect the women who, I, in many cases, I think are being misled and being, you know, you, you know, force-fed this lie that this is the only option and this is the best choice for them, and it's obviously not the case. Yeah, we know that that there's a lot of lying and deception taking place. Uh, when uh, you have women having an abortion and they say, well, I was, they say, I was just to told that it was just a blob of cells. And then they say, well, how, how, how pregnant were you? Well, I was pregnant for a month and a half or two months. And you were told it was just a blob of cells. Not true. Not true. So you, you're absolutely right. There's, there's a lot of deception taking place. And uh, people need to be getting out that information. So we're, we're, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. You know, so yes, we at PGI, we're litigating very aggressively. We have 97 cases in litigation. That number is going to be growing. But we're also working upstream 
on the inside to deal with legislation that's pending, not just at a federal level, but at a state level. And the fact that we have more offices in states across the nation to be able to do that, I think is, is about part of God's providence. That for a time such as this, we have the largest footprint with more offices in more parts of the country to weigh in on state legislation, deal with critical issues, uh, such as the sanctity of human life and protecting the preborn. Thank you very much, Emily, for the work that you're doing as a part of the PGI team there in Nevada. Uh, well, folks, if you'd like more information, uh, I encourage you to reach out to PGI. Go to our website, pji.org. And also, uh, feel free to text PGI to uh, 715171541. You can text the word PJI to 715041 if you'd like to get our resources and get our Legal Insider newsletter. Uh, We're here to serve you uh, always without charge. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, there you have it. It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.